This is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minner, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset got it! Underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We're going to try to stick to the protocol today, boys. What's the protocol? Well, it's, is that a Lisa Bluter joke? Yeah. Oh, okay. Of course it okay. is. Okay, my bad. Why, I've never, I don't know that I've ever said the word protocol on this show I before. was a little confused. In I almost didn't, nine I didn't, full I didn't years. I didn't even know we had a protocol. <laughs> it was like, what's well, protocol? we're going to stick to it. What's protocol? 2319? I've got a flight to catch. Do you? No. I do. She like did. two weeks. I hate flying. My wife does. Yeah. She's off, she's off to Europe with her sister and her mom for uh By the way, 10, introduce yourself. Who are you and who am I? That's a good question. I'm Cole Stukenholz. I'm Matt McMaster. That's right. My mom's in California right now. Yeah? Kind of jealous. I think she's hidden Disneyland today, maybe. Oh, wow. Be real jealous. My kids are super jealous of that. I know. Yeah. You ever been to Disneyland? I have not. My I, wife has. I my oldest it, has. I prefer it to Disney World. We've told our, smaller, we've told our kids that once our youngest turns five, sure. which she turns five here in May. How many kids you got? We will go to Disney. You don't know this by now? Four? Yeah, four. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> that sounds like hell on earth. Four kids, four kids at Disneyland. You're gonna have one running around. You won't know where they are. You'll have another one on Space Mountain. You'll have another one who wants to go to Tony Ray. Just you know, do something else. Take them to dinner. I don't know. It sounds terrible. Took all four of them to Kansas City on Wednesday for the Super Bowl parade. Yeah. That must have been, I mean, terrible events. We which, we were we were nowhere near that. Thankfully, yeah. we were on the parade route. Our prayers out to, to yeah. all those people and the families, but yeah, terrible, terrible way. But to hey, I, I hope you had a good time and missed we did. all the. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was. How many? Like, have you been to all three? All three of the Chiefs and the Royals. See, I that, was yeah. talking to a friend. I go, if the Bears won the Super Bowl, I'd go to one. I'd yeah. go to the first one without a doubt. Yeah. Like, no bones about it. The second and third one, though, I'd have to really think about it because this is a lot of people, and it's like. I don't like a lot of people, and like I don't like being in crowded spaces. Like yeah. I'd get over it for the first one. Like I would have no problem. But the second and third. See, this was my. So I went to the first one because I mean, sure. you don't know if you're ever going to have another one. A million and percent. It's, it's, you've waited all this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last year, like, well, look, it was. It 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 didn't happen again for three years. Sure. I don't know if it'll happen again, again. for sure. So the fact you this could be your last one. chance, yeah, and yeah. then you go again. This because yeah. hey, this one might be the last one. You don't know about no, you know, no getting back there. It again. won't be the last one. Well, I don't. It think. won't be the last. Look, I, I don't want to say be it. the last one. The one with it. a C plus team. Who who in their right mind in sports media who follows and watches this stuff as closely as you and I do, and as closely as anyone who's paid to do it can honestly look at the Chiefs this year and say, yeah, I mean they're not going to win again. I mean, they, they, they were not a good offense from a talent perspective, and yet they won, and they had a great defense, and they got a good coach in Spagnola, who doesn't seem like anyone wants to hire him anywhere, so good for you. 
because he's a genius. They just re-upped him too. Look, I, I do this all, all the time dumb. on this show. I'm very, I'm an optimistic person by yeah, nature. I'm very well. And aware so you of that. you take teams that you follow and you say, okay, if they can do this, and they always see, and it. if they can stop doing I that, I know. And then all of these things, all the pieces fit together. Then this can happen. And you think about fan. you mm. think about the best case yeah. scenarios in your head. Very rarely does that come to fruition like it did for this year's they, Kansas City and they, Chiefs. And they went through murderous row. And the, talking the hardest road possible. Four of the top five scoring offenses, and and the toughest road through uh, DVOA metric for a Super Bowl champion ever. I will tell you this: someone who does turn into the Kansas City Chiefs when they're in one certain venue is Nebraska basketball, mm. and they are at Pinnacle Bank Arena today, taking on the Penn State Nittany Lions. How do you feel about like you know? Give me give me your breakdown here. You, you like. Is this a, at this point, every game at Pinnacle Bank Arena is a must-win, considering the fact that they are the 92 Bulls at PBA. And then, by the way, 92 Bulls are better than the 96 Bulls. You didn't hear it from me. And then wow. they are. 92 Bulls were way more fun and exciting than the 96 Bulls. I wouldn't know. I wasn't alive. I wasn't even a thought in my parents' head. The 96 head. Bulls won 72 games. Yeah, but like you look at the highlights, and the highlights of the 92 Bulls are pretty sick. I mean, right. they were they they were they were. A better Oscar. Ninety six Bulls beat the better team in the finals. They did without. A I was doubt. a big Sonics guy. Were you? I see. I started with Ken that. Griffey Jr. and I was a, a big sure. Ken Griffey Jr. Mariner. And, sure. And then hey, same city, and I didn't like the Bulls. It, whatever. Penn State. Penn State. Not really a good team. No. Bottom of the of of the Big Ten. They're six and eight. They had a really bad non con stretch and where they lost about five games in a row. And I think a lot of people look at the Nebraska Cornhuskers and how they've been playing at home and look at the Penn State Nittany Lions and the fact that they just haven't had a good season. They lost their head coach last year. And they think, all right, Nebraska's just got to show up and and, and it's good. And and fans just have to show up and be loud like they have all year and we're and we're fine. That that's not at all what what's going to happen today. Because Penn State is a better team than you think they are. Okay? That's just Straight up, they got Ace Baldwin Jr., who's a really good scorer. He's a really athletic guy. Um, you got a, a team that is well coached, is a pretty good offensive team, a pretty even defensive team. They went to Northwestern, a team that is probably as hard to beat on at home as Nebraska is, and they probably should have won that game. I mean, that was a really, really close contest. They beat Wisconsin earlier in the year. They've beaten Iowa, a team that Nebraska failed to beat early in the year. They've won games on the road. Like, this is a team where if you were just looking at it on paper and looking at it straight up, you'd probably think, yeah, it's a really good matchup for Nebraska. And the fact that this game is at 11 a.m., coming from a guy who played his worst athletic events in the morning, I mean, it is is tough. This is a very unique situation for for Nebraska. They're not really used to playing these games earlier in the day. If I, in all honesty, they've played more like eight o'clock games and yeah. seven thirty games than they have played games at one p.m. or three p.m. This isn't a a stroll into the park and, and beat them and pick up because you're better than them. Like they're going to need to come out and play play today. And Fred Hoiberg yesterday in his press conference talked about how they need to go and start out quickly, how they needed a strong start, how they needed to get their legs under them uh, and get rolling. If they don't do that, it, it might be a very long game that either gets out of hand or comes down to the very last moments. And, and that's always, I mean, that's you never know. It's Big Ten basketball. You can flip a coin 
in, in the last five minutes of the game when it's within four and yeah. and figure out who wins. Well, and 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 we all know as as you reference the '92 Bulls in comparing to Nebraska basketball sure, team, which, sure. is, which is quite the quite the analogy. Uh, we know that Nebraska has yet to win a Big Ten road game. Yeah, this season, Penn State just won two. Big Ten road they games in it. their last three. Now, they just lost to Michigan State, but before that, they had beaten Indiana and Rutgers away from home. Nebraska lost at Rutgers. Famously blew a ten uh, double-digit lead in that second half, lost in overtime. And they're about to go on the road to Assembly Hall not too, not they, too far away. They will be. Yeah, that Wednesday. Next game? Yeah. yeah, that's Wednesday. So, Penn State is capable of winning away from home, mm-hmm. something Nebraska has not demonstrated the ability to do. Yeah. The other factor that I think is is a, a pretty good sign and it's happening at the right time. We've we've kind of talked about this roster and you don't know where your points are going to come from sometimes. Like it's okay if it gets you know, maybe Bryce Williams goes off for a half. Maybe Rank Mast has a career day. Maybe you can get some big contributions off the bench from CJ Wilcher. Last year, about this time, and this year, starting to maybe look like he's getting it going again, Casey Tomanaga. Last three games, 20.3 points per game, 57% shooting, and 50% from three. If you can keep him cooking, if you can make him, you know, pick your spots and, and all right, hey, this guy's on the bench on on their side. We want to exploit this matchup. Now we're going to go to Casey over and over and over until the next dead ball. Like, pick your spots, but feed him shots because I- he's starting to get it going he plays with confidence so well, and if you can, if you can, if you can find a way to harness that, and and keep it positive, and and make sure that he's still moving without the ball, even when he's not getting his shot, and maybe if the shots aren't falling early, it will pay dividends for you down the stretch in this game today, and down the stretch the rest of the season. I don't really want to talk about Casey's defense because I feel like that's kind of low hanging fruit, sure. and it's just very easy to say, well, his offensive input has to be really high in order for it to be worth it for him to be played on defense because not only, I mean, last year, we it's not like he just turned in, I'm not going to call him a defensive liability, I feel like that would be harsh, but it's not all of a sudden just like that, he wasn't that great on the defensive end, like Sam Hoiberg, who's really good on the defensive end, who's got right. to take those minutes from Casey if he's not hitting the shots. But more so now, teams are targeting him. Teams are going after Casey, especially if they're in true man. Now, they don't run too much true man. They more so run that man, half zone, half man type switch thing, double in the post, make your rotations. Yeah. I hate, though, this idea that feed him shots, feed him shots. There's a thing called rhythm in basketball. I'm not being sarcastic at you. I'm just saying in general. Sure. There's a thing called rhythm. You can't give a guy three minutes worth of offense, two and a half, three, four minutes worth of offense. Tell him, all right, put up shots, put up shots. We're going to run elevator screens. We're going to run pin downs. We're going to run hammers. We're going to run all this stuff. You just keep taking shots. And then when you start missing four minutes later, all right, rink, here you go. Get us a bucket. Okay, now we're in our normal offense. Like There was no continuity. And so I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of this, and I know you and Jacob Bigelow are massive on it about the whole get him more shots, get him more. And I agree, they got to get him some more shots, but it's got to come in like a a flow, like in a flow, in like a sure. consistent manner. It's it, it shouldn't come in a all right, 
These next three minutes, number 30 is going to take seven shots, and we're going to hope he's going to make four of them or three of them, and he's going to really change momentum, go on a run of his own. Let's get stops in the defense. It shouldn't be that way. It should be like every three minutes. Oh, Casey's like wide open. Okay, cool. And then all that, all of a sudden at the end of the game, you're like, oh, crap. He's got like 28 points because he's made seven threes. Yeah, look, I'm not suggesting you force it if it's not there. And and obviously, there are plays that you're going to run where you're going to have different guys coming open at different moments, and 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 wherever that open pass is, that's where you that's where you throw it. the 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 point is, if you have plays that you that you kind of single out for Kase, and you see that matchup as an option, you you take that open shot, you take that window of opportunity. Uh, if you're Fred Hoiberg calling the plays, if you're if you're masked at the top of the key and you're you're looking for that cutter, look, I just, I look just, for it. I just wish there was more consistency. But I will say this: that, over but these, that consistency is starting to develop again. Okay, at point. Uh, three games in a row. That's a trend. When he went on his best runs last year, he was getting to the hoop not only right. through through passes but also on his own, and I think that. That was lost in the beginning of the year. I don't think that was as much of a play in the playbook as much. Just because I don't think they knew Rick Mass could really pass the way he's been passing to start the year. I don't think that was something that a lot of people thought was in his repertoire until we kind of saw it come out as the year went on. And I think that those, he's a great passer. He's really good at it. Is he to the level of Derek Walker? No. But. That's more so now in the playbook than it was earlier in the year because they've proven they can do that. And I think that has elevated his game as well. Also, too, K-State's just getting confidence right now. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm not doubting. I've always said, K-State and Wilcher, if this team is going to make a deep run in anything, whether it be the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament, one of those guys has to be on. One of those guys has to be playing very high-level basketball. Casey's been doing that. Wilcher's kind of cooled off a little bit since that massive Wisconsin game, but you got to trust he'll be back in some point in capacity. But, I I mean, it's I understand that when Casey's getting mauled and face-guarded 24-7, that it's really hard to get him consistent shots. But I'm just not the biggest fan of the fact that it's like most of the time it's okay. He's made two in a row. He come back. He comes back down the other way and takes a thirty foot shot. And sometimes it goes in, and then sometimes it goes off the backboard, like it did against Northwestern on that <laughs> absolutely ridiculous heat check. Yeah. And so it's like a give and take. And I just wish it was a more consistent offense and a more consistent flow for him. So it's not that he is the offense. He is more a part of the offense. At the same time, no one's complaining about the fact that he's dropping 20 in the last three games. So like 20 points is 20 points, but it would just be more effective if they could do it consistently throughout the game as opposed to, yeah, he scored 20 points in like a total of five minutes. Yeah, he's done it a little bit differently. Obviously, the Illinois game was his best game of the year. That was 31 points, at five of seven from three. He also got to the line eight times in that game, made all eight. He made all five of his free throws against Northwestern without a three-pointer made. And then against Michigan, was three for six from deep, did not get to the free throw line, goes 31, 11, and 19 points after three straight in the single digit. So definitely on the upward trend, which is certainly encouraging at this point in the season with just six games left, they one today. It. They need it. I mean, at this point, every game's a must win. Every game's the most important game you play. Yeah, we're, we're taking you right up to pregame coverage here on KLIN. Uh, you will hear Ken Pavelka and Jake Muleisen from Pinnacle Bank Arena starting at 10 with tip-off between Nebraska and Penn State at 11. Also a big weekend for the baseball team. 
started their season down in the uh, Arlington, Texas area, beat Baylor last night. We got a new guest coming on. We do. Mr. Grant Hansen of Husker Online going to talk to us real soon here. Next couple minutes on Husker Hour. Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Keep it rolling here on a Saturday morning, a big Saturday morning. A lot of Nebraska sports going on this weekend. One team began their season yesterday and won their first home opener in four seasons. It's Nebraska baseball. Joining us to talk about Nebraska baseball is the Husker Online baseball writer, reporter. I don't know what his official title is, but it's Mr. Grant Hansen. Grant, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you guys? Good morning. It's good to be uh, in the baseball season. It's incredible to be in baseball season. What did you see yesterday? What was your... By the way, I'm Matt McMaster. I'm joined by Cole Stukenholz. I probably should have done that <laughs> when I did the intro. Grant... What did you see yesterday? What is your biggest takeaway from Nebraska's 4-1 win over the Baylor Bears at Globe Life Field? Well, I, I think it's kind of a two-parter. Um, the first is I think Nebraska fans need to not get uh, maybe overcommitted or over overexcited by the the win and the name of the team they're beating. Um, you know, this Baylor team is not the Baylor team that people are probably used to. Uh, yeah. They won 20 games last year, which tied – a season low for their win total that goes back to 1972. They missed the Big 12 tournament for the first time ever uh, last year, so they're very much in the middle of a rebuild. Now, the other side of that coin is that I think you got to really, really like the way that they won mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, and if they can replicate that, you know, you're, you're going to find a lot of success, I think, throughout the rest of the year. Nine strikeouts, no walks, 67.5% of all the pitchers' strikes for Nebraska or pitchers' pitches for Nebraska went for strikes yesterday, um, and then offensively, you found a way despite 14 strikeouts to get the clutch hits when they mattered. Yeah. Dylan Carey had those two two out RBI doubles, and then I think the most interesting or potentially even important run of the game was that additional insurance run Nebraska got with two outs in the top of the ninth yesterday. You have Riley Silva at the plate, nobody on, two away. He basically he swings at a wild pitch, gets the first off of that on a, what is effectively a drop third strike, steals second, and then Caden Brumbaugh scores him from second base with an RBI single to right, and Nebraska gets an extra insurance run, a little bit more cushion for Casey Dice, who could end up being the closer by the end of the year. So, like, as the year goes on, it'll be interesting to see if that continues because, it, you know, the 2021 team continues to try to be the standard that, it seems like every Will Bolt team is compared to. But that, that last run, I think, for Nebraska in that sequence yesterday was quintessential 2021 Nebraska. Um, and, if they, and again, if they can replicate that throughout the rest of the year, thank you. Grant, I, I know you mentioned the uh, the pitching performance. Uh, you really couldn't ask for a better start on the mound uh, for this season with Brett Sears starting it off and the bullpen doing what they did. Is is this a sign of the impact that Rob Childress can have on this staff. What have you heard leading up to this season about some of the things that he's done in the off season to get these guys ready? Yeah, I, I think on the Sears front, um, it's interesting because if not, I mean, the, the, probably the, only the most passionate of Nebraska baseball fans were locked in on the 
Northwoods League numbers or wherever, you know, your summer guys are playing. For Sears, it was the Northwoods League with the Rockford Rivets, and he was nailed. I mean, he was at a .069 ERA, if I remember correctly, through 27 innings, only walked three batters and struck out 29. Um, he was he was on fire, really, all year long in that summer period. So I think people could see that. I think if you saw that, you could say, okay, he's going to be a strong candidate to be the Friday starter. We'll see where things go from there, if that can actually translate the rest of the way, which it looks like it might. I, I think, again, the overall strike percentage is where you see the impact of Childress because the thought is we're just going to hit the zone, we're going to live around the zone, and we're going to let the defense work, right? And I think the biggest example of that yesterday was Tucker Timmerman's little segment about one in the third inning. He ends up getting the win yesterday, the freshman from Beatrice. He's the first guy they go to out of the pen, and he kind of gets lit up to some extent. I mean, he had the RBI double, and then after that, it's several hard-hit balls off of him in that inning, and then a little bit later uh, in the next inning, he pitched as well. And so you're, it kind of feels like you're playing with fire a little bit, but at the same time, the freshman hung in there. Again, he stayed around the zone and let his defense work for him, um, which was kind of the, the mantra that we got from Nebraska's pitchers throughout the offseason uh, and certainly from Brett Sears before the team left on Thursday for, uh, for Arlington. Grant, I, you know, we, we couldn't have you on for, for preseason. And so, but, you know, this is more of a, a preseason question. You have a lot of newcomers on this team. I think what the exact number is 29, right? 28, 29? It's 25. 25. Number, yeah. I mean, a ton of, of turnover, a ton of new guys. Give me one. And maybe we saw him yesterday that you think could make the biggest impact for this team this season. Okay, so I'll give you one offensively that I really like, and I'll give you one uh, on the pitching staff. Perfect. Um, uh, Offensively, (laughs) Riley Silva, there's a lot to like with his Yeah. Um, He he was a 100-meter and 200-meter youth or high school, basically, division champion in Canada. Um, He he stole 44 bags, I believe, last year at the junior college level. He got one yesterday. Um, That's going to be really, really important for weapon for Nebraska. Just with Silva specifically and maybe team-wide, um, you know, the ability to have that guy lower in the order that can set the table for the top half with bunts, maybe get on with a, with a, in a stack bunt situation and turn a stack bunt into a bunt single. Uh, he's fast, and that's going to pay off in center field too. And he's going to, I think, really as a whole, Nebraska's outfielders are going to have a good amount of range this year. Uh, and then on the, on the pitching staff, uh, you did see him yesterday in Casey Dice. I, I mean, I like the arm slot. Um, I think that's really going to be a weapon for Nebraska this year. And then you saw the movement on some of his pitches as well. Um, I think he lines up right now. And and there's a couple other candidates for the job. Evan Boris, who you'll probably see either today or tomorrow. Uh, He's got some heat. And then Rand Sanders, some Nebraska fans should be familiar with him as well. He's a uh, UNO, former UNO uh, closer who actually picked up a save against Nebraska last year. Um, those two guys will be in contention with Dice for the quote-unquote closer role. Um, but I, I like Dice to win, and I think he's the best of those three. Joined by Grant Hansen, the Husker Online baseball writer, part of the On3 team over there. Grant, with the the pitching going today and tomorrow, it's a couple lefties on the mound. Will Walsh today, Caleb Clark tomorrow. Uh, what are we expecting from these guys, and, and do you get the sense that they're kind of trying them out, or is this maybe what they think can be the the regular weekend rotation throughout the season? 
Yeah, it's a good question um, because you assume that Drew Christo is going to get back in there at some point when he feels fully ready to go, uh, and he's not at this point. There is, I, I, you know, the answer that we got on Tuesday during media availability that he that he just he doesn't feel built up enough yet. Um, my sense is something happened last week. Then they're just being real careful, uh, which makes sense. So. I think Christo gets back in there at some point, but you you have some four you know four game weekends coming up. Next weekend is one of them. I think the week after too. So you're going to need four guys, um, and you get a chance here to experiment a little bit in that regard. I, I think Walsh probably will stay in no matter what. He's Nebraska's most experienced starting pitcher, returning I think over over 50 innings last year that he pitched, and of course had that gem in the Big Ten tournament against Michigan, against Michigan State. Uh, in an elimination game last year. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with him today because he's facing an offense a year ago that averaged over eight runs a game in Texas Tech. Uh, and so he's you know, his, his fastball is not as high velo as, as a lot of guys at this level, but he compensates for that with some of his junk pitches that he's going to mm-hmm. have. So it just it depends on if he gets timed up or not um, today. So that, that's what I'm watching. It'll be interesting. I, he has a high strikeout rate because of that. Let's see how long he can last. Uh, and then Caleb Clark on Sunday. Clark, kind of like Christo in some ways, just did not. He's a guy that the staff believes his frontline stuff and could be a Friday starter someday, but just did not get off to a really great start as a freshman a year ago, and that kind of snowballed into the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, tomorrow, uh, with that start, that is one area where you could really see some impact from Rob Childress because there's control issues kind of all year for Clark last year. So if he can live around the zone tomorrow and, and start to kind of control some of the talent that, that staff believes he has, uh, that that can make things really interesting. And again, I mean, even if Cristo comes back into the, starting rotation in a couple of weeks or three weeks down the line when he's built up enough. Cause I mean, they believe they can still use him for long relief, just not as a starter yet. Um, then you would have a guy in Caleb Clark who can maybe start a, a midweek game. If he, if he's up to snuff here or, you know, one of those other guys, um, Sears is probably safe. I would say yeah, uh, in the weekend rotation after this week, but um, maybe one of those other guys steps in on the midweek and Christo goes into the rotation again. Grant, quickly, and and then we'll get you out of here. Uh, I I love reading your stuff, and I love talking to you because I feel like you're you're one of the best nugget guys that I know. It's every time I talk to you or read something of yours, I get a nice little nugget. Uh, reading your your preview to this opener, I didn't know this. Five nine and one is the record of Will Bolt's Nebraska baseball teams in opening series. Last year, yeah, we saw bad. that shine through when they went to San Diego. Zero and three, zero three and one, and they probably should have lost that game that ended up in a tie. Uh, you know, because they needed to get home. Uh, it, typically, I don't think the opening series matters so much in a in a such a long season, but for this. You know, program who hasn't had as much success in the opening weeks as you would like them to see. How important is it getting off to a good start here in Texas? Yeah, it's interesting because baseball. And I, I don't want this to sound like mean. Sure, because there's certain there's a certain amount of people that are always going to watch Nebraska baseball and they love yeah. Nebraska baseball. But it, it can it can be a bandwagon sport, and sometimes in terms of fans, yeah. And so if you can get off to a hot start here early and 
kind of get that ball rolling with the fan where your people are juiced to get to Haymarket Park in March, mm-hmm. things really feel a lot better. And again, like I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, the the Big Ten tournament championship team in 21 and the team that went to the Arkansas Regional in 21 has been a blessing and a curse in some ways because that's, again, become the standard. And so anytime a team sort of falls short of that in the early going, there's a lot of fans that get nervous or frustrated. Um, and so to to win that game yesterday was huge um, yeah. because, in my opinion, it's the most winnable game of their three this weekend. So you couldn't drop it mm-hmm. um, and, and risk an 0-3 start. And now you're kind of playing with house money against Texas Tech because there's not a lot of people that expect you to win that game. And even if you do lose it, you're still in position on Sunday in a sort of championship Sunday situation to, to pick up a winning weekend and go 2-1. and one. Sure. And if you can do that and you roll into GCU next week, which is a, is a fairly solid, definitely a solid team that finished, I think, 71 in the RPI. Or, yeah, yeah RPI last year. Um, and then Charleston State after that. Uh, or Charleston College, um, which is in the same area. Like you can really pick up some momentum going into March. Um, but again, it's like this is data point. What you know, baseball is an unpredictable sport that, oddly enough, becomes very predictable because of how much data you get sure. throughout the whole course of the year and how many games you play. This is data point one of like fifty six. Yeah. So, so we got we got a long way to go here to see how, how everything shakes out. But if you can get off to the right foot and get things going in the right direction early here, get the fan support behind you, which is unlike anything else really in college baseball, and get that with you in March at Haymarket Park, then things could get really fun. He covers Husker baseball for Husker Online, and he's a great nugget guy. Great Grant nugget Hansen. guy. <laughs> Grant Hansen. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be watching the coverage all season. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you, fellas. Thanks, Grant. There he goes, Grant Hanson. Yeah, you're right. Uh, that guy's he's the right. dude. He's right about the the matchups here Saturday, Sunday. It's it's uh, it's definitely opportunistic time. Grant Hanson. Grant Hanson. Fun fact about him: really yeah. good poker player. I don't think that should surprise anyone, considering the fact that he's a baseball guy. But really, Re- good poker player. really good poker player. As really. in, you've you've lost money to him firsthand. Is that yeah? Is that what you're yeah, trying yeah, to say? yeah. Active. Okay. I'm pretty good too. But he's he's you he might you might have the edge on me. Okay. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's right. pretty good. Little nugget. Right. Little little nugget about the nugget guy. Does he distract you with all those nuggets at the table? Is that what he <sighs> no, does? Is that no, his style? No, he's a silent killer. Oh, he's okay. a silent killer. Right. He sits at the same. So the guys you have to worry about. Oh, a million percent. A million percent. All right. Uh, another guy that uh, folks are going to worry about this season, it's Glenn Thomas. Ayo. New quarterbacks coach and co-offensive coordinator for Nebraska football. Uh, we're going we're gonna to dig into our thoughts on Glenn Thomas. Uh, we've got a little bit more detail about him and, and his role over the last couple of weeks. Haven't really touched on that. Um, as well as uh, more Husker news getting you ready for the weekend. And, man, the best piece of news that you got this week. I will tell you what that is when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Let's change the subject to someone else. You know, lately I've been subject to change. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to take this any further. What is? What was the best news of this week, Matt? Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. 
They put out a trailer for oh, EA Sports yeah, College Football yeah, 25. Yeah, they did. Yes. They did. I really, I had one kid when that game last came out. I still play. One. I still play NCAA 14. I have four now. Yeah, I do too. I still play it a little I bit. Have, I literally brought my PS3 to my college apartment just, just to play. Just to play that game. Yeah. That's the only it's game incredible. I play anymore on that. I, yeah. I, I really, I think Mike McMaster, my father, is really hoping that it comes out on a PS4 and I don't have to buy a PS5. In it's order. not. It's I, not coming I, out I don't know PS4. that's official, but I would be shocked if it came out. I, I, I already, I'm already preparing for the fact that I'm going to need to purchase a I PS5. I think I'll buy an Xbox, though. Oh, you'll go Xbox? It's way cheaper. Okay. Yeah, we got to think. We're in the broadcasting industry, man. At least I am. I don't got um, the and I got the moolah to just you know dump a truck on a famous, seven famous seven hundred dollar console PS five console. But yeah, I mean greatest news. It's one of the best games ever. Who would be your Nebraska themed game cover art? Oh, like who who would be on it? I think the easy one. Would you go, would you go Lil Red? The easy, the easy one would be To, right? Oh, so retro. Yeah, with, with, yeah, yeah. Okay. The easy one would be To. I, I like was super old, like with the red pants and the white yeah, polo, like million percent, and the hat and the hat that like weird like build out trucker hat kind of <laughs> like those pictures. Yeah, you could do like I I I only think retro. I would love a Mike Rogier because right Mike Rogier has a bunch of really good pictures. Sure. Oh yeah. And like those big old pads and that just like just straight red uni. Ton of history you could build from. If we're going straight up. Like from last current, year. yeah, 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 yeah. Hutmaker, Hutmaker, okay, yeah, because yeah. it'd be just so funny to see to see. He's just he's just such a good dude. I want know? I want Matt Rule like mid lip licking, you know, <laughs> just or just him, staring out there and just, getting after there's it. There's this one picture of Rule where he's screaming and he took off his headset and he's pointing yeah. at whoever he's screaming at with his headset going yeah, yeah. out. Yeah. That's a great picture. I don't know who took that, but it's a phenomenal photo. Or you could do the shot from inside the locker room, like from ba- from if down die, below. If we die, if we, we die. die. We die. Yeah. And just yeah. like and just art, you know, art, art it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stylize yeah, yeah. that quote. That, that's how you do it. Or you put Glenn Thomas on there. Because he's gonna transition. He's gonna be the guy. He's gonna be really important to this twenty. I don't think we've squad. talked about it enough. We have not. Because I think he's the most important coach on that roster. I really do. Outside of Rule, obviously, who's the head man, but I think he's by far the most important coach on that roster because let's go to these final four teams this year. Texas, Washington, Michigan, Alabama. For, you know, with the exception of Alabama and Jalen Milrow, who could end up being a high quarterback pick, all three of those teams, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, were high-caliber, high-quality quarterbacks. Yep. All three of which are going... McCarthy is, is tracking to go in the first round. Penix, rising. Penix has had major injury history. Will probably go top three, maybe even top four rounds. And, and Ewers is a guy that probably could have gone first, second round this year, will definitely go first round next year. I mean, he's tracking to be the number one quarterback prospect in that draft. Still at Texas. So you need a high-quality quarterback. And this isn't just a Dylan Rayola thing, who is your five-star you know, high school quarterback prospect. You got another one in Danny Kalen, four-star high school quarterback prospect. And Matt Rule didn't get hired to Nebraska to go to a bowl game. Right. Matt Rule got hired and is getting paid over $70 million over the next eight years to win a national championship. And you win a national championship with high-quality quarterbacks. And that development and their development starts today with Glenn Thomas. And so if any hire had to be right, it's this one. 
Matt Rule got hired to win national championships. He wow. did. What do we? What are you hiring to go to the I mean, Outback Bowl? I mean, to go to make the playoff. I think. No. I, it, I don't know that you, you don't pay, pay a guy. No, you don't pay a guy seventy million dollars to not win a national championship. Well, seventy million dollars is kind of the am, going rate. Am but. I saying? Am I saying though? Like, in, if he doesn't win a national championship in five years, it's a failure. No. no. If he has consistent success, but eventually, obviously, that's the goal but for everybody. Yeah. Eventually, I don't think yeah. if we sh- right. if we sat Trev Alberts down here and we asked him why'd you hire Matt Rule. He'd, he'd give you the whole hubbubaloo about respect and standard and honesty and loyalty and being Nebraska. And then eventually he would say, yeah, and to win a national title. I think he and, would say championships just generally because, I hey, sure, Big national Ten. would be fine. Let's start Big Ten. Let's start Big Ten. Glenn Thomas. Totally agree. Give so it to me. You, you mentioned that he's the most important hire. I think Nebraska put their money where their mouth was and, and, and basically told you as much. He's making 800000 a year. It is the third most on a, of assistance. Behind only the coordinators. Yeah. Behind Tony White and Marcus Satterfield. And then the other thing with, with the quarterback position, and I'm going to, I'm going to go Chiefs fan here because this is what I do. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes is, is incredibly talented, right? But it's more than that. It is the intangibles. It is the things that you can't, that you can't like just coach mechanics, mechanics, mechanics. It is other leadership qualities. It is things like that. And, and that was one of the things that Thomas really highlighted. It, it's hey, when I coached Matt Ryan, we were we were trying to hammer home these intangibles, these things that 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 will help him be a leader on the team, that will help him get everybody right. All of those things go into it, and he's also noted how key the culture is, yeah, and that Matt Rule has laid that foundation pretty darn well after just one season, and so all of that all of that ties together in you know he's got pro experience, he's got college experience, he's got experience with Matt Rule, and it is going to be ideally a very consistent experience for both of these young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. This is his first year too. So they are coming in on the ground floor with him. So Glenn Thomas is going to be able to start working right away with Riola and Kalen and Harburg and whoever else they bring in. And they're going to hear the same message. They're going to get the same coaching. Yeah. They're going to have the same things emphasized for at, I mean, he's got a two-year contract now. I mean, we'll see what happens after that. But that's the thing that's exciting is you're you're starting from scratch, but you're starting with the same people who are starting from scratch, and you're not having to come in, and it's not going to be as as I mean, last year there was a lot to do where you had to kind of fix some stuff and 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 maybe fit it together when it didn't necessarily fit yet. This is going to be a little bit of a cleaner process at the start and and that's the encouraging thing is you're you're getting that guy in and and he's going to be that voice that Riola and Kalen are going to hear going forward. The one thing he talked about that I was very encouraged about because granted I I didn't know anything about him until he got hired, right? And that's kind of yeah. how a lot of these things work if you haven't been in it for a long time. He talked about poise, poise in the pocket. Yep. And how you can't be restless on your feet because if you're restless on your feet, you're restless in the mind. And if you're restless in the mind, then you're restless and you're sloppy on the football field. And I'll just say this, and this is what I believe the most when it comes to quarterbacks. I hate the pro day. I hate any pro day or any combine throwing, air. throwing against air. Because you know what? Like, yeah, you should be able to do that. You're a, you're a high-caliber quarterback. Seeing Dylan Rayola and Danny Kalen to a certain extent, watching them throw on air does nothing for me because, like, yeah, they're talented. They got great arms. They got good accuracy, especially Kalen. It's like you expect that. 
what makes football football and why quarterbacks get paid is because they get hit. And there's guys way bigger than them coming at them, trying to hurt them, trying to get the ball away from them, trying to disrupt them. And that's where it really begins. That's where you really start playing football. And Matt Rule talked about it, the seven-on-seven babies. The guys who look really great, you know, yeah. on seven on seven, they played in the in the in the AAU and in the circuits and this and that, and they look awesome. And then all of a sudden, they they got onto the field, they put on the pads, and they were like, "Man, not really. That's not that's not really the guy." The fact that he's talking about that poise, mm-hmm. he's talking about that patience, he's talking about managing the pocket and and having those tangibles, not necessarily intangibles, but the tangibles of managing that chaos, which is so hard to being a quarterback. The fact that that's one of the first things he's talking about, especially when it comes to developing a young quarterback, I'm happy about. I'm glad he didn't talk. I mean, he did talk about the arm strength, but I'm glad he wasn't, oh my God, Dylan's got a great arm. It was more so, no, he's got it. He's got an arm to manage pocket. And, 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 and that's what young quarterbacks have to learn how to do. And I'll give you this. This hire is so important because Husker fans, you feel great right now having the number one quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class come to your team. You got another great one right behind you. Let me put you in the shoes of UCLA because they had the number one quarterback recruit last year who was a higher rated quarterback than Dylan Rayola and Dante Moore, who is now the backup at Oregon. And UCLA's head coach is now the offensive coordinator of Ohio State. So you feel good now. A lot can change in a year's time in terms of your quarterback and coaching situation. Am I Matt McMaster telegraphing? Matt Rule's going to be OC at Penn State next year. I was about to say that. I was about to say that. Dang it. I Look. I, you stole my line. I go, I'm not saying Matt Rule is going to be the Penn State offensive coordinator. Well, he'd be defensive coordinator. Yeah, defensive yeah, yeah, yeah. coordinator. It's a, but, great, it's a but, great bit. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this these things have to play out, and yeah. that's why this quarterback coach hire is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's that's how you know we're on the same wavelength. We, we were pulling the same the same joke from the same story, and, and that's, that's why this show works. Uh, hey, we have uh, a lot more to get to still. There was a, a fairly large game before the Super Bowl that you may have been watching involving a, uh, a now all-time leading women's college basketball scorer, but she did not break that record in Lincoln. No, no, no. no. It did not happen the way she thought. Big Ten protocol may or may not have been <laughs> followed, but uh, we've got that one to talk about. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a pretty mind-blowing stat about Nebraska basketball and uh can softball get some injury luck, please? I know. Please? I know. I know. We'll get you ready for the weekend right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Caitlin Clark, congratulations. Hey, you broke the hey, record. Yeah, don't say that mild. Congratulations. Congratulations. But it didn't happen in it Lincoln. Didn't happen in Lincoln. It didn't happen in I think Lincoln. A lot of people are happy about that. Eight points to go, as the graphic told you the entirety of the fourth quarter. You know how annoying quarter. that was? The entire fourth quarter. It because was... she didn't score a point. 0 for 6 in the fourth quarter. Jazz Shelley stole the show. We talked about it. It was the Jazz Shelley effect. Literally the day before, Jazz Shelley needed to be a star, 
in order to win that game. She couldn't have a game where she just took seven shots or five shots. She took a lot of shots. She made a lot of buckets. AP National Player of the Week, well-deserved. A, a player that is cementing her legacy as one of the greatest Nebraska basketball players of all time. Uh, just just very happy for her, very happy for for that team. But let me, let's just say this. It was a great win against Iowa. It, it practically... Nailed them into the NCAA tournament yeah. bid at this point. You yeah. know, as so they're just trying to kind of figure out whether or not they're going to be a seven, eight, nine, ten, or bubble. But they played the number two team in the country three days later at Ohio State, and they had a massive letdown and played their worst game of the year, scored the least amount of points they have all season, not just Big Ten play, all season, scored 46 points. They turned the ball over 30 times. Ohio State was able to implement a a full court press. I've watched a lot of basketball, Mr. Skukenholtz. I'm about to watch basketball in an hour. Yep. When Penn State plays Nebraska at Pinnacle Bank Arena on the men's side, mm-hmm. I've never seen a full court press more effective than what Ohio State get against Nebraska. And I feel like that's kind of been the story of the year for this Nebraska women's basketball team. They're really high, then they go and play and they get their teeth kicked in by Penn State on the road. Or they go and they play Ohio State and they get they, they get their teeth kicked in. But they have an opportunity today. They play at three o'clock. B one hundred seven point three. Pre-game begins at two thirty against Purdue. Massive game. A, a massive opportunity for them to bounce back and to you know kind of put this stuff on you know get the train back on the tracks. The problem is is that there have been too many times this year where they've had to put the train back on the tracks. Yep. Uh, they've been able to do it every single time. But, you know, this is one where it's most important because you're so close to the end of the year. Yeah. And and with that game against Iowa, it was a school record crowd. It was 15,042 awesome. at Pinnacle Bank Arena. It was on Big Fox, the largest college basketball crowd all season. Nebraska was down by 14 going into the fourth quarter. And then they scored 27 in the fourth Crazy. quarter. Jazz Shelley had 10 of her 23 points in the final five minutes, including that clutch three-pointer. Shot clock winding down, 30 seconds left. Gave Nebraska their first lead of the game. Uh, it was incredible. It was incredible. And and the role players stepped up, too. Now, uh, Alexis Markowski did not score in the fourth quarter. It was just Shelley and then Logan Nisley, Natalie Potts, Kendall Moriarty. Those four had all of 20, all those 27 points in the fourth quarter. Amy Williams is a good coach. She should get so much credit for the development of Kendall Moriarty this year. I think Moriarty had always been a player where you see the spurts and you see the length and athleticism, and and you can really see why they believe in her and why they think that she could be a very good player, not only this season, but years could come. But she had a really good game against Michigan, Moriarty did. And you kind of saw right then and there her confidence being built, and Amy Williams gave her a longer leash and let her play more and, and let her take more shots and, and really encouraged her to continue to play. And now she has risen from this kind of, yeah, we, we, we need to play her so she can eat minutes for, for the team. And, you know, she's a, a role player, but not necessarily a big role player, too. She's starting. She started last game. And so I think that Amy Williams should get a ton of credit and so she kind of more idea of her progression this year and, and how she's become a, a kind of sort of a lower piece bench piece to now a very important part of this team. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned uh, that game is uh, a 3 o'clock tip-off 
uh, for Nebraska women's basketball over on B107.3. The men, uh, we're taking you right up to the pregame show right here on KLIN. It starts at 10. Tip-off between Nebraska and Penn State on the men's side is at 11. Uh, and we'll get you ready for the rest of the weekend. You mentioned Jazz Shelley, the National Player of the Week. Not the only Husker athlete yeah, good to call. be the National Player of the Week. We'll tell you who that is. Uh, and then the, the stat on Nebraska basketball that'll blow your mind. That's coming up here on the KLIN Husker Hour. 8508. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Mag, you know what happened 349 days ago? No. 349 days ago, Nebraska men's basketball beat Iowa in Iowa City. Okay. Yeah, I shouldn't have known that. Now. It's the last time Nebraska won a Big Ten road game. If they win on Wednesday at Indiana, it will have been 354 days between wow. road Big Ten wins. It has wow. been a while. Wow. It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, like, you automatically get nine months, right? Right. right. But then, like, still. They haven't won a single one yet. That's crazy. Yeah. I They'll mean, they've been their close. Chance. They've been close, but... And Indiana is definitely not trending in the right direction. Hey, can I say this though? Yeah, Kansas yeah. has won one Big Twelve. Road no, it, like we we've talked about this. I know it has been historically, historically difficult yeah. to win on the road in college basketball this season. I Everyone, would, I wouldn't be surprised if you get a stat, Cole, at the end of the year. If there's this big stat about how like college basketball has never been more popular, like there have like you know like. Yeah, there hasn't been. This is it broke attend like overall viewership, and NCAA. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like it's been really it's yeah. been on the rise, and I think that the NBA. Let's just be honest; it's kind of fallen off, especially from the the golden ages of the eighties and nineties, and you know, I think the early two thousands, and now you're kind of getting to the point where it, it's just not nearly as popular as it was ten years ago when Kobe and Paul Pierce and you know young LeBron and. I think it's because they're struggling to find that next superstar after LeBron. And now, because of that, I think college basketball has really taken yeah. off. Yeah, so Nebraska-Penn State, that's at 11 o'clock tip-off. Uh, you'll hear pregame right after we're done here on KLIN, starting at 10 with uh, Jake and Kent over at PBA. Uh, also taking on Penn State this weekend, Husker Wrestling. Massive. They are over there, um, and, and it is going to be Ridge Lovett. Going to be taking a part in that, obviously. He is also, like Jazz Shelley, uh, the National Player of the Week, Wrestler of the Week honor from uh, his week last week. Uh, he is 20-0 and this season, 11-0 and in duels, uh, beat Michigan's number 6, Austin Gomez, 11-4. to So Ridge Lovett, congrats to him. And yeah, big opportunity for Husker Wrestling Real quick, uh, against Penn State. You want to get, Big Ten is the best conference when it comes to wrestling yeah. in the country. Yeah. Penn State is seven and zero in Big Ten uh, meets or matches mm-hmm. this year. Duels, duels, yeah, whatever it is. They have know. not allowed the other team to get more than ten points on them in Big Ten play. The highest was nine by Michigan. They defeated number three Iowa a couple weeks ago, twenty nine to six. They are Jeez. the odds on favorite to not only win the Big Ten but the NCAA national championship again this year. Yeah, um, you got Husker baseball as well. The they are in action today against Texas Tech, tomorrow against Oklahoma, and uh, Husker softball. Jordy Ball it's confirmed earlier this week out for the year, and Billy Andrews got concussed yesterday in practice leading up to the game. Hopefully, she can play today. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks to Grant Hansen from uh, Husker Online covering baseball. 
Matt McMaster. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. We'll be back next week with our 400th edition of this show. Go Big Red.